Have you ever tested God? Now we know that God sometimes tests us. He puts us through trials and, and troubles. And, and the purpose of that is not to harm us, but to strengthen us. To have us come to him and, and have our strength renewed in his promises and, and see his grace be fulfilled in our life. But have you ever put God to the test? Now we probably have. There are probably things we have asked of God that we wanted to see him do and expected that they would be done. And that was kind of testing him to see, is he going to do what he promised me? But we also are reminded in the scriptures not to test the Lord our God. And so in doing that, we probably feel we're not being respectful or honoring him. But yet... There is a part in Scripture where God gives us an invitation to test him. Yeah, God invites us to put him to the test. Those words are recorded in the Old Testament prophet of Micah, chapter 3. God is speaking. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God invites us to test him. Question for us this morning, are we robbing God or will we test him? The last few weeks we have been worshiping under themes that have the word every in them. We started the month by being encouraged to worship God everywhere. And then to be thankful for everything. Last week we were encouraged to love everyone. This week his encouragement to us is give everything. Now we might wonder how we can do that. Well, it's by looking at God's pattern of giving. To see how he gives everything. And then to turn that pattern into our practice. Test God. That's what he invites us to do. Test me in this and see what I'll do. How does God answer the test question? Many years ago when I was a church in a church in Southern California... We were having a congregation meeting, and as usual, the topic was finances. How are we going to afford this new budget? It seemed beyond the reach of the congregation. Now, at that meeting, an elderly man showed up who, as I recall, had not been to any of the other meetings that I was at. And he stood up and he said, I want to tell you something. In my life, I put God to the test. He said, I decided I would try to outgive him. And so he gave a lot to the Lord, he said. 
And at the end of the year, he found out that he had received more back than he had given. He said, I thought that was perhaps a fluke, so I was going to test God again. And that next year, he gave even more. And he got even more back. And he did it the third year. And he said the same thing happened. I gave even more, and I got more back from God. And he said, this is how God answers the test. You cannot outgive God because he gives everything. So let's take a look to see how it is God gives everything. Let's look at his pattern of giving. I think the first thing that we can note about God's pattern of giving is that it's personal. Now usually when we say personal, we mean it's private, it's none of your business. <laughs> but that's not what I mean by personal. Personal here means God gives us his person. He gives his person to persons. We see that already in this, that God gave us his son, Jesus, his own self. I know you're all familiar with John 3.16. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, we're pretty familiar with saying it that way. And when we get to that word, so love, we think of that little word as so as a way of kind of expressing the measurement, that is, how much he gave. You know, just like if we were to say to somebody, oh, I really like that so much. Or, or we might say, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year by so much. It could happen. But that little word so, and God lo so loved the world, doesn't mean the degree. It means how, in what way he loved the world. And so a better translation of that passage is this. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God's giving is personal. It's of his own person. He gave his own son into this world for us, persons. Jesus gave his life. He lived the whole life under the laws of God that you and I are to uphold and can't. He went through temptations that you and I go through, but never sinned. Then he takes upon himself our guilt, our sins, puts himself under the judgment of God in our place. He gave himself for us and suffered the wrath of God so that you and I never will. He took up his life again from death to give to us the assurance you too will live. You see, he gave personal way. But God demonstrates his pattern of personal giving not only in Jesus, he also demonstrates that in that he has given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes that in the first chapter of his letter to the Ephesian Christians. He said, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, 
you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Not only has he given the Holy Spirit to us, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, inside of us to be a seal that protects us as God's possession. For you see, in God's giving, it's not only person to person, but it's also purposeful. In other words, God has a reason, a purpose behind his giving to us. God talked about that through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah when he said, I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. There he's reminding us that of all the things that he has given us is for the purpose of sustaining us in life. He gives us everything we need for our physical well-being. He has given us everything we need for our spiritual well-being. He wants to sustain us. But he also gave his son to save us. He said, I will also rescue you. Because you see, we wandered from God. We ran away from God. We've rebelled against God with our sin. And that has only brought upon us God's condemnation and punishment. We aren't deserving of any blessing from him. But yet we get it. Why? Because God saved us. He rescued us. We weren't able to do anything. We are not capable of bringing ourselves back to God. But he brought us back in Jesus. He has saved us from sin and its curse, death, and from that enemy, the devil. But he's also given us that Holy Spirit to protect us, to seal us, just like we have a seal around our food items when we buy them from the store. So God has put his Holy Spirit in us to seal us, to protect us, to make us his possession forever so that we will not be lost. God has a purpose for the reason, uh, for the things that he gives us. There's one more thing that we can note about God's way of giving. You know, when you and I sometimes are asked to give, it's like, oh, all right, or again, I don't have that much, or hmm. That's not how God gives, not at all. God gives according to the pleasure of his will. In Ephesians again, that first chapter, Paul reminded us of that several times. He wrote, this was done in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. This is his, his will according to his good pleasure. Did you know that you make God happy? You make God happy and that's why he saves you. That's, saving you, in other words, is what makes him happy. He joys over you to be able to save you because he loves you and blesses you. And we are both loved and blessed by God. So God's pattern of giving is personal. That is, of his person to persons. It's something that we would say has got a purpose behind it, to bless, and it's always done with pleasure. I want you to take a little view of your life. 
how would you evaluate your life? What, what kind of statement would you say about it this morning? Would you say, well, yeah, I'm okay. I've got a little bit. Or maybe you say, I've got a lot. You know, it's amazing how blessed we are in this country. The other day, driving down Capitol Ave, you know, with all those car dealers there, I was just looking at the rows and rows of cars that just sit there week after week. Why? Because everybody's got cars already. We have so much in this country. I mean, you, you watch the news and you see people living in other countries. They don't have cars. Or maybe their cars are busted or bombed. And look at us. We, we got so many cars. Oh, I want a new one now. The same is true with so many other things that we have. You go into our stores, they're just filled with things for us. We are so blessed. But oftentimes we don't feel that way. You know, look a little bit deeper now. Don't look around you, but look inside of you. What do you see? Some dissatisfaction? Some disappointment? Maybe some worries? Some fears? sometimes lives there too, despite how blessed we are. But what we need to do is stop looking around and look inside and see who is there. God, who gave himself to us, to live in us. How blessed we are. And we work so hard in life, don't we, for making sure that we're set for the future that we're all set, you know, we've got our retirement lined up and are taken care of. There's so much more that we will have, that we will live for. So we need to stop looking at the now and look beyond that and see the beautiful forever that God promises us. We are blessed. But blessed in order to be a blessing. So as, as we have seen now how God has this pattern of giving and blessing us, so we can see how it is we can pattern our lives after his and make his giving our practice. So let's take a look now at how we can give. Like God, our giving can be personal too. And by that, I don't mean just in a private, none of your business, but I mean of my person to other people. The Apostle Paul wrote some beautiful words in his second letter to the Corinthian Christians, instructing them on how to live their life, how to give everything to the God who has given them everything. And he notes at the very outset the personal nature of our giving. Here's what he wrote. In the midst of a very severe trial, there, and he was talking about the Macedonian Christians now as an example, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. You see how the first thing that has to happen in our giving, in our responding to God's giving to us, 
is that we give of ourselves to the Lord. Paul continues, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Are any of you uh, Warriors fans? Yeah. Yeah, I, I am too, at least the last couple of weeks. <laughs> See, I don't really follow NBA basketball. And, uh, I, you know, when it gets close to the end and the finals, you know, then I pay attention to it. And I have to say, it was really exciting this year, right? And so I became a Warriors fan. And uh, my son uh, noticed how fair weather of a fan I was. And uh, he said, you're just, you're just following them now because they're in the playoffs, that's all. And it was true. And he rubbed it in a little more. On Father's Day, he got me a Warriors t-shirt and says, okay, fan, now wear it. <laughs> all right, so we become fans when things are going well, when things are good and exciting, right? Then we like it. Are you a fan of God? I'm sure you are. Why? Because as Paul said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our way of giving in a personal way, our way of giving our person, is that we're moved by God's grace when he gave his person for us. And Paul says, you know this. Now, the word that he used in the Greek for know was not a word that simply meant, you have this up in your head. It was a word that meant, you have it in your heart. You know this in your heart because you've experienced. You've experienced God's grace. Your sins have been forgiven. Your guilt has been relieved. Your burdens have been lifted. And blessings have been given to you. You know the grace of God. And that's why he urges us then to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Fully. Wow, what does that mean? Giving everything. Everything? Then how will I have something? How can I give this or that? God doesn't measure our giving by a dollar sign or by the amount of time we spend for him or in what we do, the project list that we have and accomplish. No, God measures our giving by the new heart that he has given us. But flows from that heart filled with his grace. Now let's listen to the next section of instructions that Paul gives us. He says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. And then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows, gives sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you then should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, he's identifying the condition of our heart there. He says, don't give grudgingly or, or reluctantly. And those words in the Greek simply mean out of grief, with complaints. Oh, 
I've got to give more? I've got to do what? Oh, all right. <laughs> that sense of obligation or pushed into it? No. God measures you by the cheerfulness of your heart. And that word cheerful in the Greek language sounds like this. Hilarious. You heard it. The word hilarious, our English word, hilarious. When you're hilarious, what do you do, right? You laugh out loud. You can't control it because you were so moved by what you saw or what you heard. In the same way, God is saying, be an hilarious giver, moved, overflowing with the joy of his grace. And here's what he promises then. He continues, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Give of your person, your heart filled with joy. Now we notice a few other things from his words here. Be planned in your giving. He said, I'm going to send my fellow workers, my brothers, to come to you in advance to get the gift that you have promised. And so he's urging us there to think through what we want to give. Not just a, a quick you know, knee-jerk reaction, oh, here's something, but to have it planned out and something we have promised or pledged to God, just like he promised and pledged to us himself. He urges us also to be proportional in our giving. God only wants, only expects us to give from what he has given us, not what we don't have. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul spoke of that. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, proportional, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Plan out what you're going to do and what you're going to give and make it proportioned to what God has given you. The other thing we can note about our giving is that it should be graceful, graceful. Now, you've probably heard several times in the passages I was reading the word generous. I could have used that word there, but I chose to use graceful instead. You see, when we hear the word generous, we think of a lot, right? Oh, he's going to be generous. He's going to really give a lot. That's not what that word means in the original Greek. It means we give it as a blessing, that it's full of God's grace, because that's what you want to share. That's what you want people to receive from your giving of your time or your talents or your treasure, the grace of God. Now you might wonder, but how can I do that with what I have? How can I do that with what I'm able to do or give? God promises to fulfill and bless our giving. He writes, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So you see, God promises that he will still give everything. Everything we need to sustain, to save, 
and to seal us as his possession forever. So with hearts that are full, with hearts that are hilarious, let us be cheerful givers. As God gives with a purpose, so we want our giving to be done with a purpose as well. He writes, this service, this giving that you perform, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Our purpose is that this blessing can come to those who receive our time, our talents, our treasures. And not only that they have what is considered the physical, but also the spiritual, that their hearts too will be filled with thanksgiving to God for the grace he has given them. Giving. Worship everywhere, be thankful for everything, love everyone, give everything. Now I know that giving is a touchy subject. It's private. And sometimes it's sensitive. But really when you boil, down, boil it down, it comes to being a matter of the heart. How is your heart toward God? I know how his heart is toward you. The other day I received an email with this title. With a gold pass, your summer will be complete. I thought, I wonder what that's talking about. <laughs> Go to great America. I hope my daughter isn't seeing this because that's what she'll be bothering, bothering me for. Oh, your summer could be complete with all the thrills, thrills and excitement at great America. And you know what? God promises that our life will be complete when we give it to him. The Apostle Paul said how his joy is complete when believers give themselves to the Lord. So give with this attitude of your heart. God first. Thankful for what he has given us and ready to be a blessing to others. So God has issued you an invitation. Go ahead and test him in this matter of giving. And I know what the results will be. He's going to pass the test, and you're going to be blessed.